0: Thank you, Ruth, for that song. I think that's going to fit very well. What if this would be the year that Jesus comes? And I want to talk to you this morning about the uh, subject of uh, the Christmas climax. And we're going to read verses of Scripture from Revelation 21. And uh, we'll read them as we go. And uh, not, not starting off the message, but as we go uh, through the message. And uh, I'd like for you to join us on, uh, on Sunday evening. We've been going through the book of Ezra and uh, finding a lot of uh, uh, relevant things that are in this little book of uh, Ezra uh, that have to do with us or can do with us today. But uh, a Christmas climax. One thing struck me this Christmas uh, that strikes me every year, and that's how quickly it's all over. Amen? I mean, you spend all the time decorating and people, you know, the lights and you got everything outside and you, you, you get the, the boxes and the tubs and whatever it is that you've got your, your decorations for your, inside your house and you put that all up and, the, and then we get your cards in the mail and we clip those on there on a the little thing, uh, like a clothesline across the back window and, and you, get, go, you do all the shopping. <clears throat> really, to, to get ready, and you, and it's, and things happens very fast, and then it's over, and then it's it's done. You're thinking, well, I guess got to get through this, all these parties, all these things, and then, but then all of a sudden, it, you look back and it's over, and that's where we are today. All the packages that took weeks to shop for, to wrap, were opened, right, and then all that's left is the cleanup. <clears throat> and uh, when I was taking out the trash I'm thinking is that it you know you're thinking what this is this is all we had fun we had fun at our, our uh, Christmas party here and that was fun but well, we had bags of trash from that too so uh, uh, the, and some of the gifts were in there now uh, we had our so and it's, it's over. Everything's are done, and, and it, if you if you think too much about it, it can be depressing. But that's the difference between our Christmas celebrations and the real thing. Because when we look at this, all the dust, as the dust settles from our Christmas celebration, and as all the trees and tinsel and decorations are put away, and you drive down the street and you see people... You know, here's a tree that they just loved, that had beautiful lights. Now they just throw it out on the sidewalk and the garbage man's going to pick it up and take it away. But what else can you do with that thing? The cats climbed on it, and the dogs done whatever to it, and yeah. You... <clears throat> and uh, but you look at all these Christmas celebrations that's took that's taken place, but it is still not the climax. It's building up to the climax. And we've talked about the advent and celebrating the fact that advent means coming. And this was the first coming. Jesus said he's going to come again. And that's what we're looking at today. The climax of the whole thing. There's, there's expectant waiting. Eager anticipation. And it still goes on as we look ahead. And that's why, how that song comes into play. What if this could be the year that Jesus comes, that we've been looking for so many years. I think that was in the verse that you sang. And we're we're waiting for the ultimate Christmas climax. Because Christmas isn't over. The coming of Christ is not over. It's not done. What we just celebrated this week is is it isn't over. When we put up the tree, when we put up all these decorations uh, that's not the end it's just another step in waiting for the climax of christmas that's promised in the passage that we're about to read christmas isn't over christmas is just building and the building until till one great when that when the the trump shall be sounded and jesus comes and and uh, and comes to us again a climax that will never leave you wanting more, never wondering, "Is this it?" You know, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be grand. And Christmas did not climax on December 25th, and we're pretty sure that Jesus really wasn't born on December 25th anyway. But uh, uh, Christmas, as we're going to look at it this morning, <clears throat> will will climax in a place, a position. And will climax with peace. And so our first point is uh, Revelation. We'll read the verses. Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. And our first point is Christmas climaxes in a place. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband <clears throat> Christmas will climax in a place and what a place it is a place it is a place that is not will be Jesus said uh, if I I'm going to go and then I'm going to come back but when I go I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he's been preparing this place for, for a long time. And we read about it here in the, in the back of the book. In the book of Revelation. And throughout the Bible and throughout history God has pl- promised a place of rest for his people. <clears throat> we can look at rest in a couple different ways but this is the ultimate rest when we're with Him, with our loved ones, in a place that we can worship Him. God's promises of a place has never ended. They will be literally fulfilled for Israel in the millennium. And you read about that in Revelation, but even that millennium that you read about comes before all of this in Revelation 21. And that becomes a precursor to to God's ultimate climax because God's ultimate Christmas climax is in a new heaven and a new earth. Do we know what it's going to look like? No, not really. We we can only picture that it's going to be a very beautiful, a beautiful place because uh, we we have weeds because of sin. We have... uh, uh, flowers that bloom and die because of sin and then this verse tells us that there will be no more sea and you, you, you ask the question or at least I do what's that mean well your guess is as good as mine and, and many other commentators as well they come up with their ideas and you can read different ones depending on, on which commentator's book you pick up but I tend to think that it has to do with the separation A sea denotes separation between people. It brings distances. And there's separation that came uh, because of uh, uh, the flood and the Tower of Babel. And geography changed because of the flood of Noah. And God scattered the people because of the Tower of Babel and separated them. And uh, so this is going to mean there's not going to be any separation. That we'll all be together. There's nothing that's going to divide us. So whatever it means, it says, there will be no sea, no division. There will be water, and we read about that in in Revelation, but the water will flow from the river of life. And the Bible uses language about uh, streets of gold and jasper walls and gates of, of pearl. And is that literal language or, or figurative when we read about heaven. Now there's no way that really that our minds can comprehend. I think uh, when we when we read Revelation you can read all of this and uh, uh, you've got a man by the name of John and he's being shown all of this and he's trying to describe it. And that's how hard it becomes. You know it's like it's like trying to describe a rainbow to a person who's been born blind. Or to, or trying to describe a symphony to a person who's been born deaf. And I don't know, that would be extremely difficult. And that's the job that John had. And, uh, and I've, I've said this before, but it's always been uh, a good, uh, 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 it was a blessing to be at Ephesus. We went there a number of years ago on a trip and uh, and we're standing on the on a, i guess it was on a on a hilltop looking out across into the mediterranean sea <clears throat> the island of patmos was not too far from where we were were standing and uh, there was a burned down or burned out big huge church behind us that was burnt during the crusades and they had the the tomb of uh, john the, uh, this, this apostle, this disciple that was there uh, because that was where uh, he was supposedly buried after he had uh, uh, spent that time uh, on Patmos. And then in Ephesus, which was, which was not too far away from there, uh, was a place where, where Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, they said that's where she lived. Because remember at the cross, jesus told mary and and john you know woman here's your your son and son and 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 john here's your mother and 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 so basically the uh, tradition always told us that they were they stayed together so it was a blessing to be there to see all that that's okay i'll get off of that point (laughs) the point is that the holy city or new jerusalem Is going to be more glorious than our feeble fallen minds can comprehend or that we can understand. And it's a place we read in these verses that God is preparing as his glorious bride. And that's us. That's us as the church. We're the bride of Christ. In in Ephesians 5, he describes his church as his bride, as we're one day going to be presented to Him without spot or wrinkle or blemish to, to Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. To be, to be presented to Him as holy and blameless. And we're exhorted all through the letters in the New Testament to live our lives that way. To do everything that we can to, to be that person. To walk that way and live that way. So we are being prepared as his bride, just like the holy city New Jerusalem is being prepared for him, for us. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, he writes, But you, you are a chosen generation, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Praise the Lord. We are blessed. What a place that will be. A new heaven. A new earth. The holy city, Jerusalem. Filled with the church of all ages. Loved ones. you read about that. That crowd in Revelation chapters 4 and 5 and 6. So, this will be the climax of that the, the church, the Christmas climax in a place. And it also climaxes in a position. In verse 3 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, one thing that we've talked about during this Advent season is uh, the title, the name that was given to this baby and that was Emmanuel, which meant God with us. In uh, Isaiah it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel and then the angel tells Mary in the New Testament the, the interpretation call he will be called Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us so what is the importance to that and it's the it speaks of who Jesus is it wasn't so much his given name it was a title just like Christ Christ is a title and the Christ means Messiah, or anointed one. Emmanuel means God with us. It's a description of this baby that was born. God coming the first time. God incarnate. God in the form of a man. Fully God, fully man. How that works is another one of those mysteries we'll, we'll understand farther along, as the song says. According to John 1.14, God came to dwell among us. The root of the word translated dwell literally means tent or a tabernacle. So he came to, to tabernacle with us. And that's why many people believe that, that Jesus came and was born during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles as, a, as kind of a, a symbol of what was going on here. And that takes place during our months of September, October. So it would, it would go right along with sheep being in the fields and shepherds uh, nearby the, the town. But for God to dwell with us, <clears throat> I'm sorry. So on that first Christmas, he didn't just come for 33 years and then leave. He wasn't only with us for that short period of time. Otherwise, he wouldn't really have been with us, right? God with us, not God with them. Now, we, we, we should be reading it that way if that's exactly what took place. But God came in the flesh to dwell among men. He was crucified. He died in the flesh. But three days later, of course, he, he rose again in a new glorified flesh. Forty days after that, he ascended. And then the Holy Spirit came to live within us. So God is still with us and within us. And one day when Christmas climaxes, those he has saved will be in his presence, will be with him. Just as the tabernacle of God will not be just spiritually walking in our midst, he will be physically walking in our midst. He will dwell with us just as he is in us today. That will be the climax of Christmas. This this one point. No more baby in the manger. No more suffering servant. No more lowly and mild lamb. He will be before us as the lamb who is worthy to be praised. He will be the light for all of heaven. And he will be before us as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And my next point is that he will be, this Christmas will also climax in a peace, as we read verses 4 and 5. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on a throne said, I am making everything new then he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true there's a peace that we can have because of that these first five verses are verses that my mother wanted me to read over and over to her as she was dying of cancer and she was in tremendous pain and uh, we got i was in the Toledo Hospital with my little Bible my hand and read it again and uh, I'd read through it now read that read that part where it says no more pain so I'd read this verse again read it again and then she loved the verses from Romans chapter 8 you know what shall separate us from the love of, of Christ neither death nor mourning all of that at the end of chapter 8 in Romans. She wanted that read over and over. The comfort, the peace that we can have is what, is what she received from that. And it's what I received from this as well. What a beautiful picture this is. The one who created this world in the first place will soon recreate this world. Sin will be eliminated. The curse will be lifted. The victory that Jesus won on the cross will be realized. We'll be, we'll be able to, to see it. The victory that Jesus won for us will be, will be right there. No more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Praise the Lord. And, he's, and then, if that's not enough, write this down. He says, for these words are trustworthy and true. No other promise in God's word. This is going to happen without a doubt. And all of those things, everything associated with the old cursed earth will pass away with it. Praise the Lord. It's beautiful. I mean, we can go to some some places on this earth that are beautiful, but it's not even going to compare with what we're going to see next. And that's, I'm just waiting for that. That's, that'll be a great, tremendous thing. The promise of salvation in 2 Corinthians uh, will be complete. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That happens with us when we, we give our hearts and lives to, to Jesus Christ. And we know that to be true. We have our own testimonies about that. But now we're going to to realize that with the earth that we live on. This is going to be provided for each one of us as we keep our faith in Him. And provided out of of God's riches of grace, He gives us His salvation. It's nothing that we can earn. Nothing that we can do to deserve it. You can't be good enough for it. You you cannot be worthy. He's the one that gives us this grace freely. But he also loves you enough that he's not going to force it on you. He gives you this responsibility to accept his gift of grace through faith. And that faith is something that he asks for us to, to verbally use. Now, for the most part, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. But as we go out, and, and meet people that need Jesus Christ. He wants people to understand the position they're in and what he can do for them. And then a, a simple prayer, Jesus, I believe that you are God of very God. I believe that I'm a sinner who's deserving only to be cast from your presence in judgment. I believe that only the only solution to my sin is the blood of an innocent. Jesus, I believe that you shed your innocent blood for me. Jesus, will you save me? Jesus, will you take my sins away and give me your righteousness? Jesus, will you give me your Holy Spirit so I can live like you, want me to live every day? I submit to you as my Lord and Master and King. This says it all. We need to come to that place of understanding who we are and how we're living. Because he asks us to confess what we're doing wrong and what we need. That has to come verbally. It's not just a a mental ascent. It needs to come from our hearts and come verbally. And many different places that if we believe in our heart, we shall be saved. But believing in our heart takes this open confession. When we pray or when someone... You know praise like that, confessing with their mouth, believing in their heart that God raised him from the dead. Look at what verse 7 tells us as we go move on into this chapter. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, a place with no more death, dying, or pain. And I will be their God and they will be my children. That's the promise. We build up to verse 7. And that's the promise. You will overcome putting your faith in Him. In other words, putting faith in Him, you're going to make it. And we shouldn't put ourselves in a position to where we won't make it. Because we can. No matter how rough the road gets, and it'll get rough, you will make it through with faith in Him. And this Is what awaits us this is what awaits us that that description in the first six verses seven is that guarantee but he's not going to force it on you but he's but verse 8 revelation 21 8 a little song that they used to sing at camp and uh, about liars but uh, uh, we'll read that one but the cowardly the unbelieving the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. God has prepared another place. And in total contrast, when we talked about the place where He's going to go or He's prepared for believers we talked about how indescribably beautiful that's going to be. We sing those songs about that. The new heavens, the new earth, the the holy city. Well, there's another place. Equally indescribable. We we tend to live in an age of entitlement. And it's not going to get any easier. And we need to pray. As people all around us. And you just met with family members. We, we need to know that it's not, we, don't, we don't all get a trophy for trying. You either believe or you're an unbeliever, as this verse, verse points out. We need to know that there is heaven and that there is hell. And down through the years, here as pastor, I've had people get mad at me. I don't like to hear about hell. I don't want it. I don't want you to even say that from the pulpit. But there is a place, and I believe that God's word is clear. And uh, we need to be very careful with what we do. And I, I was talking with uh, with Rick earlier that I heard and read this week uh, uh, that there's a a, a presidential candidate, wannabe, because the, the they haven't chosen a, a a person for that. But that this candidate, particular candidate, wants to put Christians on the hate on the on the terrorist list for being haters of L B G T Q and not accepting. There's all kinds of things coming down the road. And it's not going to get any easier. And we can see I, I can't close out a message on a downer here. We but it's what God has for us is so much better and so much bigger. Well I'll back up to verse seven and get off of verse eight. And back to verse verse seven. Those who are victorious, victorious in what? In holding on to your faith. In 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 keeping yourself blameless. That's what we're asked to do in in several different letters in the New Testament. Is to, to live a pure life. To keep yourself blameless. You're going to inherit all this. Peace. No pain. No crying. A new heaven a new earth. God in our midst. That's what's for us. That's what's for us. But we need to be be eyes wide open to the fact that you know if I I can't live a life messing up and think well I guess a two out of three ain't bad no he wants us to live that life for him totally sold out to him and that's where we need to be that's what we need to do and then the question comes up are you ready let's all stand Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We give You glory and praise for for all that You do and all that You've promised to each one of us. And not to us only, but all who believe in You. We're told in the simple fact that You so love the world that You gave Your only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish. But, Lord, there are a lot of unbelievers. So help us Father, to, to live our lives as an example before them. Help us, Lord, to, to, to be brave enough to open our mouths and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us in talking to people about where are you? Are you ready? And just as, as Ruth sang this timely song, Uh, before this message started what if this is the year that jesus comes lord help us to be ready help us to stay ready live ready and bring others with us we love you and thank you for this church family and we ask your blessing throughout this day bring us back again tonight as we open your word again and And we give you the glory and thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You're dismissed.